Over the years, many of us have come to probably realize that the Egyptian pantheon counts various divinities extremely revered because of how highly they contributed to the evolution and the prosperity of Egypt. They would notably be worshipped through their association with protection and fertility, whether concerning the land or the people's condition of life. Surely enough, the goddess Hathor is not an exception, and was one among these ancient goddesses with significant importance in the Egyptian mythology. Hathor was a major deity with a benign motherly nature who helped women to give birth, the dead to be reborn and the heavenly cosmos to be renewed. This complex figure was eventually considered as the primeval being from whom all other goddesses were derived. Therefore, several female divinities mentioned in latter myths came to be regarded as names of Hathor in her contrasting benevolent and destructive aspects. She was associated in early myths with the goddess of divine retribution, and in latter myths with the goddess Isis who in fact inherited many of Hathor's personal traits and in time absorbed more of her characteristics until surpassing her popularity in Egypt. The goddess Hathor is invariably depicted either as a cow, or in human form with the features of a beautiful woman harboring a hairstyle which resembles the Mesopotamian Omega symbol, implying her relation with lions and a variety of other symbols including those of a snake, the papyrus reed and the sycamore tree. Much more later, she was pictured as a beautiful woman wearing a crown which consisted of a solar disk surrounded by the curved horns of a cow, and was in early times, worshipped in this form with stars above her head, which portrays her maternal and celestial belonging, while the disk represents an eye from which the sun is born. In some ancient stories, the goddess was regarded as the mother of Horus the falcon god. However in a conflicting tradition stemming from the cult center of Horus in Upper Egypt, Hathor is also drawn as the wife of the elder Horus whose union led to the birth of Horus the Younger, the one that we've all came to regard as the son of Isis and Osiris. The name of Hathor translates to Domain or House of Horus, which led many to believe that in early times, Hathor may have been in fact the original mother of the celestial falcon god. But once the Osiris legend gained widespread popularity, this capacity was in time attributed to Isis, leaving Hathor with a complex protective rather than a maternal relationship with Horus. The pyramid text mentioned the domain of Horus as making allusion to two concepts, the first one concerns the special part of heaven where the dead king would be rejuvenated and continue to rule or live again, while the second is about the myth that Horus entered his domain through this divinity each night to rest and return by dawn. In both cases her name has something to do with rebirth and rejuvenation, which particularly associates the goddess with the nocturnal sky as Lady of the Stars. And as a member constituting the Eye of Ra, her relationship with the sky identified her with Venus the evening and morning star. Following the arrival of the Greco-Roman people in Egypt, Hathor was honored as a moon deity and goddess of all precious metals and materials that shared the radiant qualities of celestial bodies such as gold, silver, copper and turquoise. Her popularity was attested by a number of minor goddesses who shared her attributes of mother goddess. The most important of these were the seven Hathers, the personifications of fate often called upon through magical spells. Since Hathor was also worshipped as a goddess of fertility, she was commonly invoked in private prayers and votive offerings particularly by women desiring children. And when a child was born, it was believed that the seven Hathor would appear to pronounce the destiny of the newborn, 
but also had a red ribbon which they used to bind evil forces and demons that might try to intervene with the outcoming birth. These goddesses were regarded as having the power to exchange a prince born to bad fortune, with a luckier child, thereby protecting the dynasty and the nation. The seven Hathers were venerated highly in life for their ability to assist in matters of love and for their protective abilities against the forces of darkness. In the spell 406 from the Pyramid Text, the Eye of Ra is said to have existed upon the horns of the goddess Hather, which seems to be an early reference to the myth of the sun god being lifted up into heaven by the head of the celestial cow. And because of that, some accounts would identify her with another sky goddess whose name means the Great Flood, the one that brings the inundation of the Nile River which fertilized the land. This divine cow was often regarded as a primordial form of Hather, and was believed to have lifted the sun god up above the primeval waters. The goddess could also be worshipped as the mother of all children especially those of divinities, whose birth were celebrations of the ability of the cosmos to renew itself. And as such, the pharaohs were called the sons of Hather, whereas each Egyptian princess automatically became a priestess of the goddess. Horus performed a similar function regarding the Egyptian kingship, while Hather is often shown in her cow form maternally protecting the youthful king Horus inside a papyrus thicket, and bestowed him the power to rule by feeding him with her own milk. With the Eye of Ra being often described as the daughter of Ra who protects her father, the story of the sun god's voyage through the night sky into the underworld highlights the protective nature of Hather towards her father, and earned the epithet the foremost one, a prominent place in the solar barge because she stood in the prow of the solar ship leading its defense against the serpent god of chaos. In the legend of the Eye of Ra, the goddess Hather embodied the eye of the sun god in a potentially destructive nature, as a vengeful lioness goddess destroyer of men who may have wronged him. In this form, she was not a joyful goddess of love but a rampaging violent force. Although in time she came to be considered as the ultimate personification of kindness and love, she was initially a bloodthirsty deity unleashed upon the rebellious descendants of mankind to punish them for their sins. On one occasion, as referred by an ancient text written in the Book of the Heavenly Cow from the Middle Kingdom, which is similar to that of the Biblical Flood, tells of the god Ra becoming so enraged at the ingratitude and evil of men that he released her upon humanity to destroy them. The goddess descended on the world in a fury of destruction, killing everyone she could find, crushing their homes, tearing up fields and gardens, then inevitably transformed into the violent goddess Sekhmet. In her savage lion form, even after she had obtained revenge on behalf of her father, her bloodthirst could no longer be satiated and kept going with the destruction. At the first sight of it, Ra was pleased because humanity had forgotten him and had turned to only thinking of themselves and following after their own pleasure. He watched Sekhmet inflicting divine retribution with satisfaction until the other gods intervened and asked the sun god to show some mercy on humanity, otherwise, Sekhmet was soon going to wipe out all of creation and there will be no human beings left on earth to regret their sins or benefit from them. Later however, the sun god changed his mind, he thought that maybe it was not a good idea of letting her go this way until there's not a single human left on earth to tell the story for future generations, so that humankind doesn't make the same mistake all over again. So he decided to devise a plan to stop her violence, 
He thought that the vengeful eye had to be rendered drunk before she could return to heaven as the beautiful and gracious Hather. The sun god ordered a particularly strong batch of beer to be brewed in huge amount, and had the beverage dyed red in a way that resembles the immaculate red color of blood which he then flooded the land of Dendera with. By this time, the goddess is crazed with the thirst for more blood and when she came upon the blood-red looking land, she got drunk after having a taste of it thinking it was blood. Fully intoxicated, she fell asleep and woke up back to her senses as the benevolent goddess of love she has always been. Humanity was thus spared destruction and their former tormentor became their greatest benefactress. Following her transformation, Hather bestowed only beautiful and uplifting gifts upon children of the earth and assumed such high status that all later goddesses of Egypt can be considered forms of Hather. As a goddess who transcended life and death, Hather was widely worshipped and her name was later carried by a divinity known as the Distant Goddess, believed to have abandoned her father to live in a wild feline form in the deserts beyond Egypt. This identification came relatively late, but Hather had long been regarded as the goddess of foreign lands, so it perfectly makes sense. When the distant goddess returned to her father, she brought with her the inundation of the Nile River which brings life to the people. But before the goddess released these life-giving waters, she had to be pacified and shown appreciation with music, dancing, feasting and drunkenness. This was the mythical justification for the wild and ecstatic elements in her cult, simply because she was the patron goddess of joy, inspiration and celebration. Among her many names, she was sometimes referred to as the Mistress of Drunkenness, which could indicate both joyful inebriation and a more ecstatic and violent state of individuality. It was proper for the whole of creation to rejoice when Hather appeared again in her radiant beauty and joined forces with her father. However, the union of Hather and the Creator could be thought of in sexual terms, or more abstractly as a merging of the Sun God with his own active power. The sistrum and the beaded manat necklace were percussion instruments often used to drive evil from the land and inspire goodness, as well as being used during cultic rites dedicated to Hather and capable of soothing her rage. Her priestesses and worshippers would carry these instruments to celebrate her as the Queen of Happiness. Based on accounts regarding the concept of the Eye of Ra, the word that means eye in Egyptian was feminine in gender, so the Divine Eye of Ra was personified as a group of protective female deities. The tale of the distant goddess is actually a story related to the godly eye through which the feminine aspect of the Divine goes forth, acts upon its new environment and returns to bring some sort of transformation. This divine figure associated with change was linked to a number of female divinities including Hather herself. This evidence is clearly made in the Book of the Heavenly Cow in which Hather is identified as the Eye of the Sun who brought destruction upon humanity, but eventually transforms their relationship with the Divine. The Goddess Hather was the female creative principle personifying love, beauty, and sexuality. She could be the most seductive of all Egyptian deities. This erotic side of her nature associated with the erotic aspects of music and dance makes her the patroness of lovers in Egyptian poetry. Hather enjoyed great prominence in Greco-Roman culture as they identified her with their own goddesses of beauty and love, Aphrodite by the Greeks and Venus by the Romans, and therefore many elements in the makeup of these Greco-Roman goddesses were modeled based on her Egyptian fashion. In the contendings of Horus and Seth, 
a tribunal of nine powerful gods were to decide who was to rule the land of Egypt. Among these deities was the sun god who at some point became angry and was sinking back into the inert state that would mean the end of the world. In order to appease him, Heather visits her father and danced lustfully in front of him while showing him her genitals succeeding on driven away his evil mood. Although being clearly a sexual gesture, the abstract interpretation of the importance of balance between the feminine and masculine principles is to maintain order and harmony. Revealing herself to her father in an unexpected gesture which lightens his mood and puts things in perspective, the goddess shows that the balance between the duality of feminine and the masculine, between light and darkness is emphasized throughout the Egyptian culture and within myths relating to these divinities. She is prominent in many royal tombs in the Valley of the Kings at Thebes where she is seen as a funerary deity strongly linked with Ra when he descends below the western horizon. Hather as the goddess of the West, welcomed the setting sun into her outstretched arms, and for both gods and people, she eased the transition from death to new life. At Necropolis, Hather was the lady who opened the gates of the underworld and was thought to live in sycamore trees subsequently bearing the epithet, Lady of the Sycamore. She could cross boundaries between worlds, helping the dead in the transition to the afterlife, gave food and water to the deceased as they arrived in the underworld then guided the worthy souls toward the paradise. Unlike other deities of ancient Egypt whose clergy needed to be of the same gender as the deity they served, those who served the goddess Hather could be both men or women. Some of the most important locations of her temples beyond Thebes was her cult center at Dendera where Hather was heavily worshipped to the extent that she was honored as a goddess of the afterlife in the field of reeds. It was long believed that when one died in ancient Egypt, they would assume the likeness of Osiris and was blessed by his qualities of moral integrity. However, during the Greco-Roman period, dead women who were deemed worthy to cross into the paradise of the field of reeds identified themselves with Hather's likeness and qualities, while the male dead continued to be identified with the god Osiris. Hather was an immensely popular and influential goddess, she was always from the earliest times concerned with women in body and in mind. Before the ascent of Isis, her cult was popular with both the poor working class and the ruling elite. And thanks to the patronage of Old Kingdom rulers, she became one of the most important deities in Egypt with more temples dedicated to her than any other goddess. It was only after the goddess Isis took over a number of her attributes that Hathor lost her place as the most important and widely worshipped goddess in Egypt. Hathor was a primordial divinity in ancient Egyptian religion who played a wide variety of roles. As a sky deity, she was either the mother or consort of the sky god Horus and the sun god Ra both of whom were connected with kingship and thus was the symbolic mother of their earthly representatives, the pharaohs. She also acted as the consort of several other male deities and the mother of their children. These two aspects of the goddess exemplified the Egyptian conception of femininity further associated with love, motherhood, fertility and above all gratitude. If you've enjoyed the video, give it a thumbs up, comment and subscribe. In case you have any ideas for future videos, let me know in the comments below. And as always, stay curious.